Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So, absolute pleasure today to have 2008's fittest man on earth, uh, Jason Kleeper, the OG of CrossFit on the podcast. Uh, today, we also have alongside me Dan Simmons, a fellow CJ coaching coach as well. So, thank you very much for coming on, Jason. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, so, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, who hasn't quite, like, isn't maybe interested so much the CrossFit uh, niche and world, give us a little bit of a synopsis of who you are, what you've done, and a little bit about your background, which is pretty cool. Um, I competed at the CrossFit Games a lot of times, uh, eight times. Um, was on the podium three times. Um, I, I'm the founder of a company called NC Fit. We have three different verticals of our business. We have open to the public gyms, corporate wellness di- gyms, and then um, gyms that use our programs as well as we offer it to the end consumer as well. So we have digital, in-person, and then also corporate wellness. And we have 20 of those locations globally that we operate, manage, et cetera. And then, um, yeah, I wrote a book called As Many Reps as Possible. I'm, I'm a dad and husband, and I like jujitsu as well. A master of a lot of different trades then. Yeah, it's all fun. Uh, out of interest, do you find that uh, the mentality that you've had, like obviously working and being at the peak of your game in terms of CrossFit has carried over very well into the business world? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, because you have to, you know, set goals, achieve them. Um, be innovative, um, all of those things carry over really well into everything in life, specifically business. I'm set, I'm set. Excellent. So obviously I've got a question. I'm a, I'm a CrossFit level one coach. I coach in my local box. So, you know, working alongside Charlie, I bring the CrossFit, uh, CrossFit aspect to it. Um, how did you find CrossFit back in the day? How did it come about? Did you get an insight into, you know, this was, this was a new thing and, and what made you want to run with it? Um, I was introduced to it probably like 2006 I used to work at a traditional gym and at that traditional gym one of the coaches had been introduced to it this is really early on um no one had really heard of it and you know kind of fell in love with this idea of having a coach and racing the clock and that kind of thing and that's that's really what got me interested in it and then when I graduated from college in 2008 I ended up opening up um, a traditional CrossFit gym over the years we've evolved and grown and shifted and changed but um, yeah, we started off very traditional CrossFit in a box setting. That's awesome. That's pretty good. And so, um, you know, back, back in them days, how would you prepare for a competition back then as opposed to what the people are trying to do these days, you know, because obviously there's a, lot <laughs> more, there's a lot more, you know, nutrition-based. Everyone's got a coach for running. Everyone's got a coach for swimming. Everyone's got a weightlifting coach. So, you know, I've watched all your videos and back in the day when you were saying, you know, everyone had, in 2008, when everyone had lifting shoes, you just had your night yeah. freeze, which you, you wore because they were your favorite shoe, you know? So how did you prepare yourself back then? And these days, what would you do differently if you was back competing? I mean, I mean, back then the, the, the athlete wasn't as educated and it was just a different, it was just a yeah. different time. You know, I competed from 08 to 15 mm-hmm. and I watched the sport really transform. I was fortunate to stay at the top. Yeah. for the eight years but you know nowadays it is different you know you have people who this is their full-time job and they're training five six hours a day hitting different modalities and they have a coach for each thing and they have sponsors for their food and yeah. it's just it's just a totally different thing back in the day it was just hey let's go to the gym let's hit it hard and we had other like you know i owned gyms was my profession and then i competed as something that i enjoyed doing over yeah. the years then when the money starts becoming bigger and things like that 
then you can start just having that as a professional career. And so it's definitely changed the caliber of the athlete. But just like anything, you know, if you look at like, um, I don't know, take any sport, right? It just evolves over time. Look at sprinting yeah. and, and I mean, look at like the, the um, setting the mile record, right? It, you, it, it didn't break four for like a decade or whatever it was, decades. And then all of a sudden someone broke it and then everybody else started breaking that four minute barrier on the mile. It's the yeah. same thing in CrossFit, you know, back in the day, you know, you didn't know it was possible until someone did it. And now there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. And so it just keeps evolving. Yeah, that's what we were, me and Charlie was talking about that the other day is like, um, you know, the weights in CrossFit, you know, recommended weights are going up and up and up. Why do you think that is? And it's belief. People believe in actually you can do it. And then all of a sudden it's something just clicks inside, like, you know, running the mile, for example. As soon as someone sees someone do it, it's belief. And then all of a sudden people can do crazy things, right? It's, it's amazing. I mean, one year at regionals, they announced an event where you had to like do a um, hundred pound dumbbell snatch. And I'll never forget, I didn't have a hundred pound dumbbell. <laughs> um, and so a buddy of mine brought it over, his name's Neil Maddox, and he brought it to my gym and he had a hundred pounder. And like, I watched him do it and he was, he, he did it pretty well. And I couldn't do it at first. Like I couldn't do it. All of a sudden I watched him a few more times. And the next thing you know, you know, at the event, him and I end up doing, you know, a hundred of them or whatever it was, 50 of them unbroken, uh, not unbroken, but in a workout. Yeah, yeah. Because once you see someone else do it, then it builds your confidence. And then once you test it and develop it, then you learn the techniques and whatever. But it's really, that was the first time in my life that I saw something. I couldn't do it. I saw him do it. And then I was able to do it. Now, whether that was technique, motivation, whatever, I mean, it's crazy how that works out. I mean, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see. I mean, the guys now these days, they're just, you know, lifting incredible weights and doing, you know, like sky's the limit to really what they can do these days. And they're trying to test them in so many different areas and different domains, different time domains, just to try and push people's limits. So, yeah, no, it's really nice to see the way it's evolved. And obviously that little story there about you not actually having that dumbbell, it's like, it just shows you how rude it was back then, you know, when he was introducing yeah. new stuff to you guys. It's like, well, how do we do that, you know? And obviously some of the earlier videos you know, people look at them now and think, you know, how can someone not do that? But back in the day, if you didn't have it and you couldn't do it, there was nothing, what else could you do, you know? So um, do you think the CrossFit has become more about the competitive side now? Because obviously I, I do CrossFit, I teach CrossFit. For Charlie, if I was to say to him, CrossFit, automatically he thinks documentaries on Netflix, competition, Fraser, competition, blah, blah, blah. But actually, from a coach's point of view like me, it's actually helping the general public just get better at life. You know, you get someone that comes in that's, you know, perhaps overweight, they want to lose a few pounds, bang, start doing CrossFit. All of a sudden, they've got a community atmosphere where they can get involved with like-minded people. No one feels left out. But obviously, to Charlie, he he only sees the competitive aspects of it. But for me and for yourself, yeah, I mean, that's, we can see. I mean, that's the pro and the con, right? Yeah. I mean, the reality is there's been some mixed messaging and some, um, from a branding perspective, you know, CrossFit has has been kind of polarizing in both directions. In the beginning, it was like, F you, conventional gym. Yeah. I'm going to puke the clown and be super aggressive and build the sport. And if you build the sport, build the premier athlete, then you can kind of work your way down. But I think from a messaging perspective, something has gotten lost in translation where a lot of people do think it's like the Dubai Championship yeah. or um, CrossFit Games. And it's unfortunate because it is really for everybody. And I think what's really for everybody is, you know, having a coach, racing against the clock, doing AMRAPs and EMOMs, doing functional style movements. I mean, that stuff's going to be here forever. Is it going to be called CrossFit in the future? I don't know. Yeah. But I just, from a branding perspective, it has been tough because it started off so anti-traditional, which gave it a lot of 
you know, legs. But now, I mean, I love, huge... I love that aspect of it. For me, that was, you know, it was a little bit different. You know, people were, you know, why do you do CrossFit? It's all wrong. But, you know, I, I, I found it six years ago and I loved it and I just ran with it. I think this, you know, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. It's amazing. And you've obviously done yeah. exactly the same, but it's, it's just so strange. You get the other aspect of it. People are like, you know, hating upon things like that because it is so different. It's interesting because I come from yeah. a different background. Like the um, the preconceived ideas people have from it, it, it are very, very different. And I've been doing a lot more CrossFit style stuff recently. Obviously, we're in isolation back in England over here. So um, I'm fortunate enough because I'm, I'm a full-time PT as well. I work from home. So I'm the only one in the road with a gym. So everyone wants to be my friend. <laughs> everyone wants to come and train. So when Charlie comes and trains with me, he gets pushed into the dark side and you've got to try this and you've got to try that. And I think it's opened his mind to a lot of the movements that perhaps seem impossible, but with a little bit of technique and a bit of correction, you can see the benefit of some of the stuff we do. Mm. I mean, for example, an overhead squat. Charlie had never done one until two weeks ago. Then all of a sudden today, he's like, my God, that works my core amazing. It's like, well, yeah, like that's, you know, that's part of the part why we do these sort of movements. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I think the crossover from that as well, like into other conventional lifts, or I think even if people aren't looking for to do CrossFit full time. I think they could see a lot of value in trying it in terms of a lot of the functional movements are then correlating to whatever else they're doing, whether it be into like a physical sport, like rugby American football or more like uh, from a aesthetic point of view or a bodybuilding, because I think there's so much almost awareness and proprioception in the training, which I think will give people a lot of value. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it gets a bad rap for the, you know, speed in the complex uh, lifts, like the Olympic lifts and, uh, utilizing hip movement in some of the gymnastics. And I think if those are things that you're not in line with, fine. Just go ahead and just, you know, no one's going to argue that a program founded on power lifts, pull from the floor, squat, press overhead, and get in some great conditioning between 15 and 20 minutes, yeah. AMRAPs, EMOMs, pushing and squat. It's pretty hard to argue that's an effective training protocol. Where it starts to get a little gray is when people are doing snatches for time and they're seeing technique break, break down. Mm -hmm. If that's not in alignment with what someone wants to do, no problem. Just grab a dumbbell and you can still do it just as well. There's so many different ways you could. And I think in fitness, everybody loves to hate. And I think a lot of people hate on things they don't have experience in. I think it's, it's actually really sad because you would think the society as a whole is smart enough to recognize that until you actually immerse yourself and understand something, you don't have a right to place your, I'm maybe not right. That's probably not, that's probably not the right word. You shouldn't place your perspective on it, right? It's easy for me to say, oh yeah, yoga is just stretching. But it, that's a big difference. And if I actually go and explore the, the domain of it for, you know, six months, and then you really come to the table with the educated response. And I think that CrossFit, people were afraid of it for a long time because it's something different. And it was hard. And I think a lot of people don't like things that are different and hard. But if they just took the time to, to evaluate it, they could say, hey, I did it for a while. These are some things I like. These are some things I don't like. And then boom, move on. All good. So, no, I totally agree. No, you, hit, you hit it on the spot there, really. That's, yeah, that's my opinion of it, too. I mean, obviously, I try and you know, give everyone, say, look, try things and you know, give things a go. So, I mean, obviously, mindset's massive these days, and everyone's looking into the, you know, trying to tap into being the best through mindset approaches and things like that. Do you have any that you go to with your mindset, or do you coach that to any of your, you know, your, your students and your members? Yeah, I mean, for a long time, you know, I've incorporated this mindset called um, AMRAP mentality, which yeah. I even wrote a book about. And it's really just about this concept of being, you know, present and focused and, and hitting your life the way you hit an AMRAP. You know, when you're AMRAPing, going for as many reps or as rounds as possible, you're really focused on that. There's nothing else you're really thinking about or doing. Yep. And I'd like to take that same mentality and break it down into each area of my life from business to fitness to family, whatever. And that's really been helpful for me 
because it allows you to get more work done in less time. Do you have any like practical tips or like a way you structure your day out of interest, Jason, with, like, with that sort of mentality? I mean, it's a really good, I mean, think about it this way. If you wake up in the morning and you did, I don't know, five minutes of burpees, let's just say, right? When you're doing those burpees, you're probably just thinking about how much they suck or you're just, you're just thinking about burpees. But as soon as you're done, all of a sudden you're one foot in, one foot out. You know, I'm on the phone with you and then I'm doing something else and then I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Instead, it's like, what if you take that same mentality you took to that five minutes of burpees and now you took that same mentality into work, into other things you're doing? That's the secret, right? You, you're, you're so present, you're so focused. And so take the mentality you take in your workouts and then break them into your daily lives. And if you aren't embracing that AMRAP style workout in, into your workouts, I think you're missing out. I think people, you know, for a long time, I trained, you know, buys and tries, chest and back, took, took two hours and never really got much accomplished. All of a sudden, I started a clock and said, hey, by the time that clock hits 30 minutes, I need to get all of these things done. Whether it's traditional bodybuilding or not, that's fine. But if you're racing against the clock, it gives you some goal. Yeah, I think uh, one of the people, reason people, a lot of people struggle with their fitness goals in particular is the lack of having clarity of goal and also structure. So like the two things you have there is you've got time and, and a goal. So you've got both. There you go. So that's the Easy. thing about it. Yeah. Here's the work I want you to get done. Go get it done as quickly as you can. Or here's 30 minutes. Go get all this done. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. No, it makes a lot of sense. So what's your um, current goals with your business and perhaps your fitness, your personal fitness and things like that? Well, I mean, I think obviously right now is a really challenging time. I mean, we had to shut down, you know, 20 of our locations. Um, fortunately, our corporate partners have been great partners. Yeah. Um, from a commercial gym perspective, you know, we're pivoting big time to digital. So we started off um, business to business. So we, we would sell our programs and session plan through a proprietary app yeah. to gym owners. So we have a lot of gyms around the world that use our programs and they use those for in their brick and mortar gyms. Well, the brick and mortar is, you know, not available for most people right now. So we're providing them tools to give their members for at home. Excellent. But what it does, it opens up the door for us to really hit that end consumer so we're really focused on our app, our programs um, for the end consumer. And so that's really what we're doing. We're doing digital programming, using our app, using private Facebook group, using the peer coaching. And that's, that's where we've pivoted lately. And that's where we're going to focus on for, you know, for the foreseeable future. It's quite interesting in a lot of respects how obviously this is a bit of a crap situation, but it does force you to adapt. And probably this is probably something that in reality was on the list of things you wanted to do, but maybe it wasn't a top priority. And now it's forced your hand into like, actually having to do this right now? Oh, hundred percent. And so like, you know, two things it really did e e-commerce, right? We, we used to sell a ton of merch, a ton. And then all of a sudden we got caught where we had a bunch of inventory. We just weren't paying attention well. And so we said, you know what? No more merch, right? We're going to sell a few hats and call it a day. But then this happened and we had a bunch of inventory. We're like, you know what guys, we gotta, we gotta refocus. And we took this team and just refocused the whole team and said, Hey, we got to do this. And then boom, next thing you know, we're, selling a lot of workout mats and merchandise. It's just been crazy to see. And then also, you know, we knew that the end consumer was a huge market for us, but we just had all these gyms we were focused on. So like you said, it's been a really fun experiment as an entrepreneur, as a business owner to see what avenues we have and then to watch the team actually take them seriously because the team is recognizing just how important these opportunities are for us right now too. And what it'll do is it'll lay the framework when we get back in the gym, we're already going to have this built up. So I think it's going to be great. What I, mean, what, what I found quite interesting about it as well is that it's, um, it's the same situation for absolutely everyone. So it's a level playing field. So like, it's quite fascinating to see who, from a business side of things, who will fold and who will rise to the challenge. And the same with like a fitness perspective, because 
some people are throwing the towel and be like, I'm not going to work out until the gym's open, which in reality is moronic. And then like a lot of people will be like, okay, this is a challenge, but how can I overcome this and how can I adapt? Uh, so of it's course. interesting to see who, who, how different people react to it, I think. Well, and you're going to see some gyms that are on the fringe and they're just going to go out of business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm estimating that 20% of boutique fitness centers, specifically like CrossFit, are going to go out of business. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's, um, yeah, like Charlie said, it's a time to either rise or you're going to get sort of left behind. But I think it's all good experience for us, perhaps, you know, the ones that need to go online, they're going to have to go online now and do stuff like that, basically. I think it's going to be good for everyone in the long run. Obviously, it's a rubbish situation right now, but I think there's good to come out of it. And I think we're going to learn a lot oh, about yeah. ourselves. I think everyone's going to learn stuff about themselves. You know, we're, we're explaining to each other, me and Charlie's obviously, you know, we, we live with our loved ones, but unfortunately at the moment, you know, they're the ones that we're turning to and we're not arguing with and, you know, you've got no one else to moan at, right? You turn to, you turn to your loved ones because you can't leave the house. So it's like now is really going to be make or break for a lot of things. So it's, um, oh, yeah. it's real uncertain times out there. I imagine that you're in a similar sort of uh, situation out in America with the whole lockdown procedures and things like that. Oh yeah. I mean, in California, yeah, we're shelter in place. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm here with my family and, Um, I mean, look, it is what it is, right? I mean, you know, you know, for us, it's kind of weird because we, we've kind of gone through some of this before. So my daughter got sick four or five years ago with leukemia. And so we kind of knew what it was like to like really keep our hands clean and wear a mask. Like we had, we had some of those like, and, and then also we, we used to live at the hospital for months. So like we were kind of familiar with some of that, but I think, you know, it, what's what's intriguing for me is that we had a lifestyle for a while where you know we would keep everything super super clean and you know whatever and it took us about a year to get back to normal where we wouldn't be so uptight about it and yeah. so i'm curious how long it's going to take the general public to get back into the old rhythm you know when's the next time you're going to shake somebody's hand and you know like for example i roll jujitsu and it's like in jiu-jitsu, you're like all up on somebody right course, i mean yeah. it's not like fitness where you can keep a six foot <laughs> and so I'm curious how long it's going to take to get back there. I'm watching stuff, you know, like bored on Netflix, you know, and I'm, I'm watching films. And I'm thinking they're too close. They shouldn't be touching each other. Yeah. It's weird to see like, you know, it's been embedded now for the last, you know, four weeks for us. Don't go near anyone. Don't touch anyone. And you're watching documentaries and things on telly where they're touching each other. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa you can't do that. You know, you shouldn't be out in public. It's really weird. It's like, um, yeah, it's strange times out there at the moment. Yeah, it'll go back to normal. It'll just take a little while. Yeah, definitely. So, um, a couple of other questions for you. What's your most favorite workout? Um, I did this one in the 2013 CrossFit Games called Burden Run. That was definitely my favorite, just because yeah. the the way the event was structured. You know, I I it was just it was just a fun event. The way they had it set up, like winner take all. Everybody went in one heat. You kind of go into this main arena with you know tens of thousands of people, and they're all cheering and. You know, it was just, it was just a really good event. Plus I won it. So it was that much better. Oh, like, better right? that was, yeah. That was my favorite. That's why I enjoyed it. Uh, worst yeah, workout? What's your worst workout? Uh, I mean, you know, uh, this is going to sound stupid, but you know, in my competitive career, there's only been like one or two times where I really felt like I didn't give my full effort, you know, like, like I'm not, this isn't a cop out. This is not like, like, Oh, I would have done better like I could have done better. I think, I think I didn't give it my full effort in that workout. I didn't make like a strategic challenge. I actually just like kind of like just kind of got lazy and just didn't finish the event well. And it cost me some placings. So those were the events that I, uh, I wish I can go back and do over again. 
Yeah, definitely. Out of interest, what's the most impressive thing you've ever seen anyone do, like feet in terms of CrossFit from an athletic point of view? You can include yourself in that if you want, if you want to say yourself. Is there anything that really like sticks in the memory? You saw someone do something, you're like, holy shit, that's incredible. I did watch, you know, <laughs> this is kind of random, but I watched Austin Maliolo deadlift i want to say 600 pounds and then go run a marathon that was pretty impressive Um, because i ran a half marathon like right before that and that sucked and so for him to run a full marathon in like a relatively decent time and pull 600 from the floor was pretty impressive um you know obviously some of the stuff that frazier does is great but i'd say that's really unique because it's such a short time domain it's such a long time domain um, and then obviously, you know, there's always been this, this goal of, you know, running a sub five minute mile and then back squatting 500 pounds. Um, for me, I was chasing that for a while, um, a little bit, um, but I didn't get there. I got, you know, I got close ish, but I'm curious who's going to do that first. Do you think that'd be one of those situations again, when one person does it and then probably within six months, you probably got a handful of other guys who do it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, but that's going to be a tough feat. I mean, at my best, I ran a 540 mile. I want to 540? Yeah, 540. And then I back squatted 470, right? That was like my best ever. But I, I, Ben Smith, I think, had the 500 pound back squat, but I don't think he had the f- five minutes and 540 are a big difference. Yeah. Like 530, like it's a big difference. So I don't know. If I, I don't know. We'll see who gets it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, actually. So within regards to um, nutrition, you know, has your nutrition changed much over the years? Obviously, you don't compete in CrossFit anymore, but obviously, I'd imagine you're quite competitive within the BJJ. So how has your nutrition evolved and um, sort of what's your sort of go-to? I mean, honestly, like, I'm not not that guy who's, like, super big into it. I just, you know, whether I was competing at the highest level or right now, I just try to eat real food, trying to, you know, make smart decisions. I think that's always been that way when I was really training, you know, I would just do whatever I could to get the calories back in. Cause I was just training so, so, so much. Um, but I never really like, you know, I tried zone, I tried paleo, I've tried everything. I never really felt any different. So I just kind of like kind of kept eating and just eating right. What would your, um, so like for a lot of listeners who are not probably aware of your sort of workload with CrossFit, what would your training have looked like back in the day in nutrition? Like what sort of calories would you take in, be taking in? How many workouts a day? So, I mean, you know, for a long time, I mean, I'm talking like years and years and years, I'd wake up in the morning, do some like fasted cardio. And then midday, I would do like a legitimate like CrossFit session, which would be like, you know, 90 minutes of just like high intensity intervals. And then and some strength in the evening, I'd work some skill works. I'd do like a 20 minute EMOM, 30 minute EMOM of like pull-ups and handstands and stuff like that. And so it'd be like every day you know, some, some cardio, some, some traditional CrossFit and some type of skill work to develop some muscle stamina and what I was trying to get better at. And then, you know, obviously you'd shift that around a little bit. Sometimes you go to track and it'd be like a more track focused day. But for the most part, there was three entities um, with total training time of like, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to be really efficient with my time. So probably two and a half hours of like total training time, but like really dedicated to it. Okay. And in terms of from an initial standpoint, what, what nutritional, what sort of um, calorie intake are you having to take into? I imagine quite a lot to maintain. That's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I never counted calories ever. Uh, I did zone. I did paleo. I've done, you know, uh, I've done 
I, I did keto for a month. I mean, I've tried different things, right? But I never, I never analyzed caloric intake. Um, for me, it was really interesting because I never cared about how much I weighed. Um, I cared more about my performance. So I would look at my nutrition. I would base how I was eating and what I was doing based off how I felt when I was performing because there is no weight classes. Now in jujitsu, there is weight classes. So I've had to cut weight. I've had to, you know, whatever, which is different. But when I was competing at a high level, I would just say, hey, what was I doing that made me feel like my engine was on fire and I was ready to go? And that's what I would repeat. Just eating for fuel, really, then that's a good idea. You know, yeah, that's a lot of people can take out of it. You know, but sometimes they get fixated too much on total numbers and what's that next person doing, you know, how many are they eating and things like that. But I suppose when you really learn your body, see if something's worked, what was it? Stick to it and it's going to work, right? Yeah, and that was for me. It's not for everybody. I mean, some people would say, hey, if you don't quantify, you can't measure it. For me, I was measuring it based off how was I feeling? Was I, was I, was my, were my workouts consistent? What was I eating? How was I doing it? You know, like for me, before I would compete, I'd have like a little bit of peanut butter and honey. For me, I liked that. That worked for me, right? And I remained consistent. But, you know, I could see how people could poke holes in that. But for me, that's what worked. And, you know, also in your life, you can only have so much stress. And I think people need to realize that is like, if you're trying to run a business, be a family man, and then also train as hard as I was, I couldn't add on another layer of just like accountability and stress. Like for me, it was like, I had enough in my life. I was like holding myself accountable to training hard and doing this. And the diet was just something I wasn't interested in focusing on for me. Did you have a particular approach that you found like you used in your peak though, in terms of from performance, obviously you mentioned there about the peanut butter and honey. Was there anything else that you used in particular, like that you found like having carbs around training or anything like that in particular? No, I mean, not enough to, you know, I, I wouldn't eat as much as people would think I would eat. And I'd eat a lot at night because my wife would cook. Um, during the day I wouldn't eat as much cause I wanted to feel like moderately hungry, like half, like 50, 50. So I could train a lot. So, you know, I'd, I'd train in the morning, get something basic to eat. Cause I'd be training again later. I wouldn't want to be super full. Yeah, no, I understand. So, um, bringing it back up to current, uh, days, what do you think is going to happen with the games this year? I think they're going to be canceled. Yeah. I think that's the best approach. I think trying to find someone trying to find the fittest on earth via online. I just, just doesn't, just doesn't seem as entertaining for me if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look at all the pros and cons and trying to think about it. But I mean, this event is going to happen at the end of July or August. And, you know, at this point, if the Olympics are being moved, I imagine the cross the game should be moved. So, but we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see what they do. I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors involved, but they need to make a decision like very, very soon because people are trying to book travel and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's kind of a mess to be honest, because a lot of these things have been canceled and, I don't know. I don't envy CrossFit's position, but they need to come out and they need to have clear communication. That's something they've been struggling with for a very long time. And I think if they just clearly communicated the why and what's going on, it would be a lot easier for everybody instead of just guessing what's going to happen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's a bit, you know, there's certain sports out there that are just like, you know, this is cancelled, you know, we'll deal with it later on, but there's ones that are trying to hang on to any hope that things are still going to go ahead. It's just unrealistic. You know, you've got athletes that can't train, you know, how are they going to try and peak for a competition? They don't know if they're going to have to do it, but yeah, it's going to be a very yeah. big logistics behind it to try and sort things out. If it does get moved to next year, you know, all these national champions that have worked so hard for it, you know, they, I wonder how they're going to get their spots again and things like that. It's going to be a massive, uh, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't envy the position, but no. I think you got to make hard, you got to make hard decisions. I mean, when we shut down our gyms, we made the decision to put every membership on hold and to provide um, a digital platform 
at a discounted price, or you could opt in for another option. But we did that because we didn't know how long this thing was going to go for. And so if we just said, okay, we're going to keep your membership active. I think 30 days later, we would have had to respond to the members again. And if we said, Oh, 30 days later, it's like, no, this is our strategy for the next 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. It's the strategy moving forward indefinitely until we reopen. And that was really good for us because it gave us clarity so we can go shift our focus onto something else instead of like always having to go back to the well and tell our members, Oh, uh, you know, next step. Totally understand. That's the best way forward, I think. That, that clarity you, you said there in terms of uh, from a business perspective, perspective is very, very interesting. And do you think that's one of the things that you, you've probably taken from maybe from CrossFit and from the sort of athletic world is that, that clarity in terms of like being to the point with things and not fluffing things up too much? Because I think a lot, a lot of businesses tend to be like respectfully pussyfoot around and like dance around the issue a lot of times, whether you, obviously you've dealt with that quite directly, which is like the best way to deal with things really. Uh, it's the best way, man. It's like, if it's a, you just got to hit, hit it head on and you just got to go right into it, especially with this situation. It's just like walk right into it. Don't make any excuses and, and just create a plan and then go after it. But, and I think that, you know, when you pussyfoot around it or you, it, it, and also as a leader, if you're not, if you're not confident in your decisions, the team won't be either. You as a team need to collaborate, discuss, but once that decision is made, you need to make the decision. And once you make that decision, you need to be able to, you know, you know, you know, for at least the time being, feel very confident in it so your team can feel confident and then if you made a poor decision you know you own up to it you say hey i messed up but at least we tried something i think one of the challenges is when you're a leader if you're just kind of like half in half out and you never make a decision or guidance or direction towards where you want to go um you're never going to go anywhere you know you might go somewhere and it might be the wrong decision but then you pivot and fix it but if you never start going anywhere and you're just kind of pussyfooting around you're just going in circles. You know, it's the same thing with your fitness, same thing with everything. You know, it's just like make a decision, go get after it. If it was wrong. Eh, okay. Trust me. <laughs> you can always change a pivot from there. And it's one of those things. I think people are indecisiveness is what kills more people's dreams than anything. Like people just don't want to take action yeah. and accountability. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, um, well, my grandfather used to use an expression is like, you know, if you're going to do anything, give it your best shot, you know, whatever you do, just do it properly. If you're going to do something, just get it done. And it's like, that sort of stuck with me a little bit. Like, you know, if you're going to do something, I do it properly. I'm a bit OCD with certain things, right? Because it transitions over, but it makes you a bit of a perfectionist. And I think, you know, I don't think that's bad on anyone really. No, percent. Yeah. I mean, especially right now, you know, gym owners, business owners need to make a decision, go after it. Yeah. And they can reflect later on, you know, was it the right decision or not? But they need to make a decision because if they just assume they can keep running their business the same way it was, they're, they're naive to think that. And I, I, um, because the whole world has changed. And so they need to stay up to date with it. And, and when we reopen business is not going to be the same for at least another six months, at least. And so you need to know what that pivot looks like for your business. I think it's really important. Mm, it's um big picture thinking and like, rather than just looking at on things on a day-to-day basis, you have to look at like where you're looking to go with things rather than just the next 24 well, hours. Look at consumer behavior, like consumer behavior is going to completely change when we reopen mm. and we need to be aware of that. Consumers are not going to be the same way they were. I mean, a great, the best example was um, my mother-in-law. She's a huge Disney fan. Huge. Like, you know, Disney parks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. huge. Like, I'm, I'm talking she goes every month. I mean, she's <laughs> hard. And I said, if, if everything was lifted tomorrow and Disneyland opened up, everything was good, how long would it take you to go back to the park? She said a month or two, right? And so this is a woman who's as diehard as you can get. And she still is going to wait because she doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And imagine people who are like on the fringe of going to the gym. They're going to take months before they feel comfortable. Even your diehards are going to take 30 days to come back in. And so 
consumer behavior is going to be tough. And then you're going to have peer pressure where you're going to say, like, for me, I really want to go do jujitsu. And I don't have a problem with it. But my wife is going to say, hey, I don't want you doing jujitsu until this time, right? And um, so you're going to have peer pressure. Or you, and, and there's responsibility, too. I shouldn't call it peer pressure. But that's all going to change the way consumers behave. So it's going to be really interesting to see how business owners react to that. It's a very, very unique situation that I don't think anyone six months ago would have thought we'd be sort of having these sort of conversations. Like I said to Dan like uh, the other day, it's like you suddenly realize you're saying these weird, weird things to yourself, like your supermarket or store is so well stocked. Like, why would, oh, I, yeah. why would I have ever said that before? Like, with surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. We've got the queuing mentality. I mean, the British love to queue anyway. We love queuing up for things, even if no one knows what they're queuing for, you still start queuing for it. So, having to go to the supermarket and queue up for an hour before you get in, it's crazy, right? And it's just like, if everyone was just to spread out and just go, you know, different times throughout the day, but unfortunately you've got the people that are, you know, there at eight o'clock in the morning, they want to queue up for an hour to get into like, it's almost like an experience for them. But if they could actually just step back and realize, actually, let's just take our time. You know, everything's going to be in stock because it's so well stocked. It's, um, that's what we're finding back home over here anyway. Yeah, same here. It's that, it's that herd mentality though, where respectfully most people are like sheep. So like as soon as the media reports there's a shortage or something, then like the, the world goes and buys toilet paper or whatever it is. And that's what creates. Yeah. I mean, it. people want to feel like they're in control of stuff. Yeah. Right. And unfortunately it's letting it ride. You know, like I went to the bank and pulled out more cash than I probably needed to because I, that made me feel like, Oh, if I do this, <laughs> <I'm gonna laughs> it. It, and it's like, dude, you didn't need to do that. Like the bank is still open. It's yeah. perfectly fine. You know, but it just makes you feel like you're doing something like, oh, I'm going to go buy, you know, 50 jugs of water. It's like, really? Yeah. Like, dude, there's plenty of water. You almost you get caught up in the moment. You're like, oh, I need to do that as well. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, hang on, what am I doing? I don't need to do this. Like, just yeah, calm down, yeah, yeah. you know, stuff's still going to be there. And to be fair, like, you know, if you didn't have no food for a couple of days, is it going to be a big problem for the majority of us? Probably not. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know, it, it will do some people a favor. It's like, come on, this, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a real strange time out there. Really strange. But all good. Absolutely. To start to sort of uh, wrap things up, in terms of like the AMRAP mentality, how would you get people to apply that maybe to the current situation where people are probably maybe struggling a little bit with like the lockdown at the moment and maybe just feeling a little bit lost in life with a lot of things that are going on? Well, I mean, the focus is, you know, to identify what you want to focus on, work hard at it, switch gears throughout the day. And I think right now is a really good time to do that because, you know, you need to get yourself out of the same mindset. So if you're in your house, you're in your pajamas all day, you're whatever, you got to go outside your house, go for a run, AMRAP that run and come back and the energy you're going to have is going to be substantially better. And, you know, I think that the AMRAP mentality is really this foundation of like recognizing what's in your control and out of your control. And I think if you could recognize like there's certain things that are in your control. Okay, I'm going to make really healthy breakfast. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that it's a lot more, it's a lot better to focus on those things than it is to like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't know when I can reopen my business. I don't know when I can go back to work. I might get unemployed. Those things are just so far outside your control. You can't do anything about it. So for me, I just need to prioritize my energy towards things that I know are going to benefit my life and that I have control over. And that's really the key to AMRAP mentality. I think people who are struggling right now, they're thinking about things that are outside their control and watching the news does not help. Them. Said, that's bad what I was going to say. Yeah. You need to think, you need to think about, you know, what, what can I actually do right right now? What am I in control of is what am I eating? What's my exercise routine? How am I taking my energy? How am I then optimizing my work and pivoting and thinking about, you know, how do we take this negative and actually turn it into a huge positive? There's no better time in history 
or at least in our lifetime, that that it is to be an entrepreneur or someone who wants to start a business and innovation and ideas are going to be screaming from the hilltops right after this. And so you could be one of those thought leaders if people just think about the things that are in their control, which is innovation, next steps, where are we going versus, oh my gosh, this is happening to us. It's like, oh, fuck. you know, get over it. It's happening. Like, let's go. It's the same for everyone. This is the way that I've looked on things is like, initially it was the same anxiety and fear that probably everyone had and you had as a business owner, but like within, within the realm of what you can control is all you can worry about. And as you said, like all I did is put a plan in place straight away and it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to do then commit to it. And then instantly all that anxiety is gone because like as soon as you say action, that beats anxiety straight away. And like the right. way I look at this now is, as you said, it's like an opportunity because uh, this has created a new problem for the world. So like if you're a fitness trainer, there's now millions of people around the world who are incredibly bored and they don't know what to do in terms of exercise and nutrition. So you've got a captive market who need help that need your help more than ever. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. That's why we're rolling out, you know, more of our products. So, you know, we were fortunate. We already had a really good foundation with our app and with everything we have, but it's a really great time to grow that digital market for sure. Yeah. And it's one of those things. It's just forced your hand to like level up and instead it will, it will separate it's saying I said to someone else is like, it'll separate the men from the boys. Cause like some people will come out this really, really well killing it and like helping loads of people and other people will just throw the towel in straight away. Yep. I agree. And like, it's just the, the nature of the beast of things like this. But um, to wrap things up, Jason, how's the best way for anyone to get in touch with you, find out some more information about you, books, other bits and pieces. Um, you can go to, you know, um, Jason Kleep on Instagram is really good. Um, Jason and then if you want more information about like all the programs, all the stuff, it's, you know, nc.fit slash plus nc.fit. But you guys can just go to my Instagram and it's all link in bio. You can check it out. You can text me. Um, there's a bunch. Of, well, actually, if you guys are in the UK, we don't have that yet. But you can email us, direct message us. But just Jason Cleep on Instagram would be great. Awesome, man. Pleasure. Awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate that so much. Uh, it's going to always for all the listeners. I uh, hope you guys have enjoyed this thoroughly. If you leave us a five star review, we'll be leaving, giving away one place for Mixed Shred Nate or Sculpt Nate program for someone who leaves us a review. So I'm picking one winner every week. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on uh, the podcast today, Jason. Hope you yourself and family keep well. And uh, thank you for the podcast. I know Dan massively appreciate it. Yeah. He's a big fanboy. So awesome. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Thank you so much, dude. Stay safe out there. Thank you. Right. Cheers, dude. Thank you.